Hello and welcome. This is Self-Control, How to Build a Better Life, the podcast that will inspire you to take control of your mind and your mindset to go forward and build the life that you deserve to live, the life that you want to live. These are tools that you can add to your mental health toolkit, mindset shifts, behaviors, practices, advice that has served me well on my journey of becoming that you're more than welcome to take with you on yours. Today's episode, if anxiety about the future has got you down, if depression and unhappiness over things that have happened in your past are weighing heavily on you, perhaps you're suffering from compassion fatigue, you're getting tired of having to care about everything around you, you may even be developing some disgust or some dread about the way things are going in the world. I want to offer a real simple mindset shift with a couple examples to help get you up and running again. So if past failures, an uncertain future, and a big old scary world with yet another tragedy on your newsfeed to have to care about has got you feeling sick and tired more often than not, if you're ready to start smiling again, if you're ready to take back control of your life, Let's go. So obviously we talk a lot on this show about self-control. I I think mostly I would call this stuff that I'm talking about active self-control, right? It's a call for you to improve your behavior, to do something different, right? We've talked about everything from from journaling to goal setting, right? As a way to to take self-control across time, right? Past, present future. We've talked about um, getting a handle on some of our addictions, right? Having to find ways to think and act ourselves out of addiction. We've talked about reframing limiting beliefs as invitations to grow. And of course, the piece de resistance, my masterpiece so far, relational and negational thinking. All of these require us to mindfully attend to our life, to, to do something different, to improve, to actively take control, to actively do something. But I've been thinking too, there's a form of self-control that we might call passive self-control. And it has to do with acceptance, right? It has to do with disengaging, doing less. Quite simply, I would say it's the self-control, it's the self-development, it's the self-knowledge to have the decency to discern what we cannot control. So as much as I like to talk on this show about taking control, it's just as important to accept and identify the things that we cannot control and leave them be. And I do think the key word here is acceptance. I think myself included, a lot of people, they resist truly accepting that something has happened. You know, I asked myself just the other day, 12 years ago, 12 and a half years ago, my best friend passed away suddenly. And I asked myself, Did I ever really finish grieving? Did I ever really get over his death? Is that even possible? Or did I just kind of leave that door open and just keep walking away from it, you know, to the point now where it's it's so far back in the past that it doesn't hurt as much, but did I put all the pieces away that I could have? Did I fully incorporate what that tragedy meant? Have I actually truly accepted it? So often I think that when we don't fully accept that we do not have control over a situation, we begin to do battle with ghosts, right? With specters, with things that don't truly exist. That becomes the fuel for us to build up a reality 
that is not truly there for us, an unreality, a version of reality that is not truly there. And I think that's where so much misery comes from. So if this is sort of starting to hit home, I wanna now talk about three pretty common examples where our thinking, our resistance to acceptance, I wanna give you three common examples and hopefully in those examples, I can inject the solution, the mindset shift, and we can start smiling and actually start doing a little bit less and getting more out of life. So a pretty common example here would be a relationship that you had in the past that has now ended. It's very common and it's very natural for us to look back on a relationship and say, well, if they had just, or if I had just, right? If they hadn't gone on that damn business trip and met that person, or if I had just been there that one time, I said I was gonna be there, we wouldn't be in this mess. And you could take it further, right? You could say anything that's happened to you in the past, you failed an exam, you got into a car accident, right? If I just studied one more hour, if I just studied one more day, if I'd had a better sleep before the exam, man, if I had just paid a little bit more attention at that yellow light, if I had, maybe if I had done the work on my car that I needed to do, my brakes would have been in better shape, blah, blah, blah. There's a lot, a lot of excuses that we make in retrospect, but look what we're doing there already, right? We're now building an unreality, a place made out completely out of potential and hypothetical. And it's very common for people to say, well, What's so bad about that? It's like, obviously, if I had done the one thing that I didn't do, I would have saved the relationship. I wouldn't have had the car accident. I would have passed the test. I would ask you though, is it? Is that really the case? Could you have done that thing? Could they have done that thing? Or is it possible that things unfolded completely how they were going to, regardless of what happened? Who you were in that moment, who they were in that moment, the way the entire cosmos was laid out at that moment, the event, the experience, the moment happened exactly how it was supposed to. And even using words like supposed to, could have, would have, should have, it supposes a kind of, it gives a living quality to a moment that only you are perceiving. So in this framework that we're building now, we're creating a world where we're miserable because things are not the way we believe they could have been. But what I would challenge myself to do and challenge you to do if this is starting to hit home, Stop building that framework. Stop believing that things could have been different. Seeing the past as if there have been options to choose from really just leads to misery because you believe that the experience had the potential to be something other than it was. You know, so much of our suffering comes from precisely that. The belief that a moment or an experience or an event might be, could be, should be, has to be anything other than precisely what it was or what it is. So again, the solution here is to, first of all, move towards acceptance, right? That thing that has occurred in the past has occurred. And it's very easy, of course, in retrospect to see all the potential and all the possibilities, but realize that you're sort of, you're mapping that on in retrospect. It's very, very clear to see what could have happened. So the obvious solution here is to start moving towards acceptance and start with small things. You know, if there's something major like the end of a relationship or a car accident or a failure, it's not going to be easy to accept that just because some guy on a podcast told you to, but perhaps there's something smaller. Perhaps there's a moment where you you tripped and fell in front of a few people or you you were late for something and it didn't really matter. And it's easy to say, well, if I hadn't if I hadn't stayed up late and then I woke up late and then the coffee machine and blah blah blah. Just start taking out all those factors, right? Strip the event down to what it is something that has already happened. Write it off and move forward. And again, I realize I'm not saying anything too, too revolutionary here, but I really want you to take home and keep in mind this idea of acceptance. It's very easy to say, oh, you know, things could have been different or yeah, yeah, I'm over it. But ask yourself when it comes to these things, 
Have you accepted the fact that this thing has truly happened, right? Would you be able or willing to write it down without, you know, cringing? Would you be able to think about it without crying? If that's the case, or if that's not the case, you haven't truly accepted it. And the move towards acceptance, and again, that understanding that you have no control. This is the perfect example, and it's why I started with it. Something that has already happened, of course you have no control over it. All you have control over now is how you think about it. And you're doing yourself a great disservice if you continue to let this negative event live with you in the future or live with you in the present and potentially project in and ruin your future when you have the ultimate control over how you think about it or how you don't think about it. All right, another example I think of where we really need to dig in on this idea that we don't have control and we need to move towards acceptance or perhaps even further, and I'll get to that. I'm going to call these big systems, right? Let's talk about politics, government, sports and entertainment, social media. All of these things, truly, they are happening whether you were alive to witness it or not. Let's accept that first and foremost. And you know, I've seen all of these things, everything from sports to, to social media to politics. I've seen it lead to uh, hatred among people, right? We've all seen that. I've seen someone watch the news so much they became misanthropic, right? They they watched enough news that they began to hate 50% of the population because they voted different or thought different. Of course, we know how social media fuels fear and hatred and resentment. Now, this show is never going to be overtly political. I'm not here to make political statements. I don't think that's why you come here. I know it's not why I come here, but let me just be real honest with my opinion briefly. The discourse today, especially when it comes to politics, right? The way politicians talk to us through the media, the way the media talks to us about politics, the way we talk to one another about political, social, cultural issues. It's largely emotional and it's largely tribal. It's based on in-groups and out-groups. People quite often want to see, well, what group are you in? And then how do we relate? How do you feel about this issue? Does it make you mad, make you sad, make you happy? Then I can decide where to rate you based on how you react. These political issues have been framed in such a way to elicit an emotional response from you. When you are willing to give an emotional response to a big system, right? Government, politics, sports, entertainment, social media. When you are willing to have an emotional response to something over which you have no control, you are down and out, you have lost the game. And it's not like I'm up here judging you. I, I'm guilty of it too. I see things on social media that make me mad. I hear politicians say and do things that are so obviously corrupt and so obviously full of shit. This truly is an invitation to disengage, right? If you're so willing to worry about the war in Ukraine, climate change, long COVID, Black Lives Matter, LGBTQ rights, you name it, whatever's coming next, going to Mars and not being invited by Elon. I think in a sense, there's really nothing wrong per se about caring about these things. It, it, it shows a certain compassion in your character. But if, these, if this is leading to compassion fatigue, if it's leading to the, the tendency to become angry towards other people, people you don't even know, people who may or may not think differently than you, and you feel that disgust towards people. You feel dread about the future. At some point, you have to put two and two together here. You don't have control over what's going on, right? Like, sure, you could house a Ukrainian refugee. You could go down and work at the soup kitchen. You could, if you believe in the climate change narrative that's being pushed by a lot of politicians, then live those values, right? 
sell your car, take the bus, wipe your ass with the same palm leaf every day and believe that that's going to make a difference. I'm not here to tell you how to live. I'm not here to tell you how to think. But if you have now noticed in yourself that, yes, I really have an emotional attachment to what I see on TV, which is not real, by the way. It's on a screen. I have a real emotional attachment to what I see on Twitter, which is not real, by the way. It's not a real place. These thoughts that have come into you have corrupted you. You've played into an emotional response and you're now very easy to control. You're very easy to manipulate. Critical thinking shuts off. Simply put, I think the answer here, if this tendency is something that you've noticed in yourself and you want to take back control of your life is to disengage from the discourse completely or to an extent. I spend a lot of time on Twitter, but I don't really, <laughs> I don't get too worked up about what I see anymore because I realize now I have no control. Politicians have been lying since day one. When it comes to what celebrity is doing what, right? All of these things are designed, I think, in a sense, to program you culturally and to dispossess you of yourself. What I mean by that is, rather than focused on your own life, your own legacy, your own family, you're now focused on the lives and the exploits of others and these big giant systems that are going to do whatever they want to do, regardless of whether you're there or not. And now you're very easy to control. You're in the know, so you're docile. You're waiting for the next cue on how to feel, so you're easy to control. You're easy to just feed. Now, of course, there's many of us live a balanced life and can like take in messaging and not get too worked up about it and move on with our lives. I think that takes some practice and I think we need to be savvy in this digital age. So I'll end this ridiculous rant by simply saying, if you feel compassion fatigue, if you're caring about all these causes, and on the other hand, you feel dread and disgust and hatred, let's put two and two together here. Let's disengage. Let's worry more about what's going on at home and in our heart and in our mind and accept that we have no control over what's going on in the big bad world. All right, our final example. This one's a little nuanced. It's a little bit tougher to define, but let's call it the actions and opinions of other people. Now, I don't think that we can simply just say disregard, disregard, disregard. It doesn't matter what they think. Yes, I have no control over what other people think, so therefore it doesn't matter. I don't know that that's true. At least that's not how I treat it. I do think that the actions and opinions of other people, especially towards us or about us, are useful metrics, definitely in understanding how people think, and at least in some small respect, useful in how we view ourselves. right? Like, for example, let's say you've been listening to this podcast for the last six months, thank you very much, and you've implemented all of what I've said. And that'd be incredible because I don't even know if I can do all of what I said all the time, FYI. Let's say you've implemented one thing that I said. Let's say you started realizing, oh, that's right, relational thinking. I'm always seeing myself in relation to my friends. I'm not as strong as, I'm not as wealthy as, I'm not as smart as. I worked on that, now I don't see myself that way. I see myself as smart as I am, as wealthy as I am, as good at what I am as what I am. And now let's say by doing that, your self-image has improved. You now go out into the world, you're a little bit more proud, you stand up tall, you're more willing to discuss what your life is all about with other people. And lo and behold, other people now receive you a little bit more warmly. They engage with you more readily. That's a positive thing. And it would be worth noting that, right? So therein lies the rub of what I'm talking about. The fact that other people now accept you and take you in and engage with you more readily 
it's worth noting that and it's worth thinking about that and it's worth feeling good about that. It's just not the be all end all and it shouldn't come first. Your own self-worth, your own self-knowledge of course has to inform your worldview and your self-confidence. It's not easy to do and remember when it comes to this show I'm actually just talking to myself for the most part so thank you for listening. <laughs> and likewise if you're someone that nobody wants to play with, nobody wants to listen to, nobody wants to date, it's not worth driving yourself into the hole and killing yourself. You've been used, you've been played, you've been ignored, you've been bullied. So have we all. Now, it is, though, an invitation to grow. If, if there's outcomes in your life that aren't working socially, you need to refine your approach. That doesn't mean that you're worthless. That doesn't mean that your project of self-knowledge and self-control should end or, or should stop. It simply means that you need to keep working at it. And the fact that society or others have not willingly accepted you just yet, that simply means the invitation is still open for you to keep working. But make no mistake, these signs and signals from other people, these opinions that they have of you, these, the way they treat you, these need not be deconstructed too far or accepted as the truth. They are not any more than your self-image. They have to be taken at face value. And of course, it's good practice here to say, you have no control over what other people think and say about you. You could be doing everything right in your mind and go home and get, or go outside and get laughed at. It really doesn't matter and it's not an indicator of you, but for whatever reason they laughed at you, it might be interesting to know. And so, like I say, it's nuanced. You don't want to build your approach to trying to please people, but you do have to accept the signs and the signals and the opinions and the actions of others towards you. You know, as George Costanza famously said, you know, we're living in a society. And I think we have to put that society to work for us. But you also have to balance it by knowing enough about yourself. And I, I know I've said this before on the show, but I think it bears repeating. The more work you're willing to do on yourself, the more you come to know yourself through all of these things that I'm discussing and all of the things that you're working on independently of me, the more of yourself you come to know and develop and become friends with and learn to love, the less and less the opinions of other people matter, right? Because you say to yourself, well, that person knows a minute fraction of me compared to what I know about me. And I know that what they're saying is wrong for the most part, but perhaps in what they're saying could exist a kernel of something for you to build off of. So let me tell you one last story. Because of my work in show business, let's say, I am pretty blessed or, or lucky to work with a lot of great people. And when I was younger, I would just go nuts trying to be the guy that impressed these women, the cool, quiet guy, the laid back guy. And, but then I would think, well, should I be maybe talking more? How should I look? Should I stand up more? Should I be more forthright? Did I talk enough? Did I talk too much? And there were nights that I drove myself into the hole, um, and ruined my own self image because I wasn't getting the reaction I wanted out of other people. <laughs> Now that's ridiculous because, again, you have no control over what other people do and say and think about you. You also have no control about what the hell they're thinking or perceiving. And truly, at some point, I had to sort of get over myself and say, well, I'm one person and there's thousands of people here in this environment. What is it, what is it they could possibly give me that I, that I want? And what I would say is that some days I would try this. Some days I would try that. I would agonize over what I was doing wrong. Did I not sleep enough? Why am I not... Why am I not uh, 
Why am I not getting the reaction? Why are they not gravitating towards me when they did a week ago? That's an insane way to live, right? You can't build your approach around the opinions and the way others receive you. It'll drive you nuts. And in fact, what I would say is the less you do that, the better people will receive you. They'll, on some level, see you as someone who is living genuinely, living authentically. But on the same token, on the other side of the coin, you can't completely ignore these things. If they never laughed at any of your jokes, your jokes are probably no good, right? If they never really seemed to be all that interested in what you had to say, what you're saying probably isn't that interesting. If they didn't talk to you, if they didn't show you a little bit of physical affection here and there, there's something repulsive about you. It's not worth ending your life over. It's worth seeing it as an invitation to grow and embracing the challenge of becoming somebody that people want to be around. While on the other hand, knowing that you don't really need to be that to be self-satisfied. So good luck untangling this one. All right, we'll leave it there. This mindset shift, this passive self-control, it's all about acceptance. Accepting what you cannot control, accepting what you cannot change. I think looking back on your past is a great way to start. Find those instances that you have a hard time accepting. Because it has passed, because it is gone, you're forced to accept it, right? Because the more you don't accept, the more you resist that acceptance, the more it feeds back and continues to injure you in the present and the future. The big mean world, the politicians, the social media stars, the government, the celebrities, the sports figures, the economists, the stock market, Warren Buffett, <laughs> you have no control over any of it. And guess what? It would be happening whether you were here or not. Sure, there's some benefit. Sure, there's some information to be taken from it. But if you are driving yourself into an emotional hole, if you are burned out from caring about things that you have no control over, consider disengaging. Same as looking back into your past and seeing an acceptance and resigning to the fact that things have happened. Resign yourself to the big bad world happening without you or not, and then learn to disengage. Learn to put that emotional energy into your own being and your own life. And finally, of course, the thoughts and actions and opinions of others. You have no control over them. You may as well accept them. And even better, to build them into your own life constructively. So, of course, get in touch with me on Facebook. I'll leave a link in the show notes for you to do so. And until we speak again, please remember that better is possible. <laughs>